You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line with me today, we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Jeff. I'm okay. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Eric. No problem. So, Eric, let's take a look, firstly, at what's happening with the economy. Uh, not necessarily a lot has changed since last we spoke, but again, there's a continual lack of growth that we see all these numbers popping up suggesting that this has changed. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Well, Jeff, you know, it's the same old uh, status quo with the economy. There's really next to no growth. You know, we get durable goods orders are awful. Construction's awful. Uh, retail sales were awful. Uh, Companies like Walmart uh, predicting low earnings this year. Caterpillar sales were as weak as they've been in January. There's all the signs that it's not coming together. Uh, probably the most important uh, comment was made recently was uh, when the CEO of Gallup came out and said, you know, the, that the the labor numbers are just wrong. And of course, this is due to the surveys that they have and. You know, when they count a person who's worked one hour as being a new job, I mean, it's just a farce that uh, people are led to believe that things are going well when, when of course, most of us know that it's not going well, uh, that uh, most of the jobs are very low-paying jobs. Most of the jobs are less than 30 hours a week. And there's just no way that we can have an economic recovery. The only thing holding things together, of course, is ZERP and NERP because it, it keeps lowering uh, the cost of carrying things, and therefore, you know, you, you allow that person who's got a, almost a minimal wage to own a car or maybe even theoretically buy a house, although house, housing sales are just atrocious. They're so I think they're down something like 60% from uh, 2004, single-family homes. I mean, it's just abysmal what's happened here. So, I mean, it's really no change from my perspective. We keep we keep being told there's a recovery, and of course there isn't a recovery. But the market wants to think there's a recovery. We've also had, of course, the very dovish uh, comments from the Fed that, that came out on Wednesday, suggesting, well, we want to be patient and look at the international developments and and other data. Of course, they're not going to increase interest rates. They couldn't possibly increase interest rates because it just knocked that marginal guy who's the guy sustaining things. And then getting a loan that he shouldn't be getting, much like the housing collapse in uh, in 07, 08, where you bring in that that last buyer where you can't afford to own things. So it's just not going well, and there's no reason to be got any euphoria about some kind of economic uh, turnaround. Now, likewise, Eric, switching over to gold, gold seems to be holding steady. We have the Greek talks still in focus. Even Ukraine, that ceasefire that was negotiated, seems to be a bust as fighting continues. What do you think about the geopolitical situation and likewise in relation to to gold, even though I, I know you don't typically like to connect those two, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's certain parts of it that I think are important. I mean, I don't regard the Ukraine as near as important as what might happen in Greece. And, of course, if there's an exit, uh, all hell could break loose here. Is, uh, I forget what the amount of Greece debt is. I think it's like $349 billion. And if they just said, you know, we're not going to pay it, uh, then, of course, there's going to be a lot of losses sustained somewhere. Uh, notwithstanding that, the, the, the central banks will probably try to fight it somehow. And, and, and actually, I suspect that even though... Uh, Germany looks intransigent and Greece looks intransigent. I think the worst case situation for the markets is if there is no deal rather than, you know, a, a continuing willingness to provide money to an insolvent lender, 
who is described as being insulted by their own government, uh, but it would, you know, extend and pretend, which is exactly what we've been doing for about the last uh, six years. But if there was a, an exit, I, it would have very uh, stunning effect on on markets. As it relates to um, to gold and silver, of course, uh, if there is a default, everyone would realize that you d- you don't want to have your money in Greek banks. And then by extension, well, what about Italian banks and Spanish banks and Portuguese banks and all manner of banks, and perhaps even German banks, because there'd be some phenomenal losses there. And of course, I've argued ad nauseum that uh, owning gold and silver is better than having money in a bank, because at least now, in a lot of cases, owning money in a bank, probably in most cases, you get nothing for it. Uh, There's lots of uh, banks now that charge you to have money there, so why not put your money in gold and silver? They've been depressed artificially. We can talk about that at length. Uh, And they're very likely to have a sustained rally here for a long time. So, you know, the whole... Zerp, non-recovery, all points towards uh, owning uh, precious metals rather than having it in the this Ponzi financial system that we have. So keeping in the realm of precious metals, let's switch over to India in regards to some silver data and, and uh, Indian imports. What are your thoughts on that, Eric, in terms of the data that was just released? Well, there was a stunning number. Uh, I believe that uh, we had it in, in uh, dollars, I think it was $381 million of silver were imported into uh, India in January, and I think that works out to something like 700 tons. Uh, if we annualize 700 tons, that's 8,400 tons a year, if this if this pace was uh, maintained. The silver market is about a 27,000 ton a year market. Back in 2012, the, um, the Indians consumed about 2,000 or imported 2,000 tons of silver. Last year, it was 7,000 tons of silver. So they increased their silver demand by 5,000 tons in a 27,000 ton market. That hasn't changed much on the supply side in the last five years. So I, I just find it incredible that, you know, we have this price going down. So this one country is able to take almost 25% of the silver market, a new 25% of the silver market. And now the rate of buying is even higher than it was in 2014. So, there's going to be a point where they're going to run out of silver. We see these weird, weird things going on in the silver markets. As we know, I think the uh, the commercials are short something like 600 million ounces of silver. The annual production is 800 million. We have auctions expiry coming up in about six days. I think the outstanding is about uh, 285 million ounces, which has to be dealt with in the next uh, six days. Now, the last time this happened, it all just seemingly disappeared. The open interest just disappeared, and it may disappear again this time. But the fact is that the physical demand for silver is is likely to uh, to overwhelm the silver market, and these silver shorts are going to find themselves in a real uh, difficult situation if this kind of uh, importation by India continues, because they're they're essentially consuming all about fifty percent of all the uh, silver available for investment, and it's not as though you know U.S. mints are not selling uh, silver at record uh, amounts. So uh, I think silver looks to be the better metal to be in based on the supply demand fundamentals and uh, all the data keeps supporting it. And I'm sure your listeners must get tired of me saying the date the fiscal data supports it, which it always does in gold. It always does in silver. But the prices go down. But sooner or later, the real world of the physical market will will play its hand here. And uh, 
we've got to be getting very close to somebody not being able to deliver sometime, and we're going to get either the big reset or a failure at COMEX or something like that, where things will get back to normal. And normal is not a $16 silver price, and it's not a $1,200 gold price. It's considerably higher than that based on all the money printing, uh, all the risk in the financial system. And there's more reasons to hold steady in this market because I think there's going to be a huge payoff and, and you just have to be patient. Unfortunately, we've been patient for three and a half years with with nothing but losses to show for it. But all the data certainly supports the view that if you're going to hang in there, you will be well rewarded in time. All right, Eric. Well, again, thank you for joining us this week. As usual, we always appreciate your insight here on the weekly wrap-up. Okay, Jeff. All the best to you and your listeners. Thank you, Eric. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprout Money News. Have a great weekend.